Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And this week we are going to be talking about Alfonso II. Oh, finally. Finally, we it's get to... so long. It's been a long time, but now we're going to finally figure out what happened to that little baby that caused uh, all the trouble. Yeah, this is... It's almost a running gag where he walks in the door and discovers it's too soon and leaves and then walks in the door and it's still too soon and he leaves. And by now the audience is applauding every time he shows up. Yes. Well, he is finally going to get to be king this time. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. All right. So since the the number, I mean, that's usually the tip off. Yes. Yes. He is Alfonso II. He is named after his grandfather, who was Alfonso I. Right. And a good one. So he was a pretty good one. This bid's fair. All right, good. Yes. Now, Alfonso II of Asturias was born in about the year 760, 759-760. We're not 100% certain, but he was born during the reign of his father, Fruella I. Right, right. Also known as Fruella the Cruel. Right, I was going to say, we had a rhyme there, and it was too good for him to pass up, so he murdered his brother. So Um, he murdered his brother, yes. yes. So when Alfonso II's uncle, Vimarano, Mm -hmm. gets... uh, Escorted to the room of knives and poison, as we like to say on this podcast. Mm -hmm. There is a reaction to this, and Fruella I is murdered by his own nobles. Right. Uh, They they installed a revolving door on the room of knives and poison that week. They did. Uh, (laughs) It it was quite busy. But when Fruella I dies, Mm -hmm. is murdered, his son, Alfonso II, is like seven, eight years old. Yeah, he's wee. He's wee. Right. So there's not really there's there's no nobody thinks that this kid is going to. Right. When you murdered someone for being a petulant child, you don't replace them with an eight year old with an actual petulant (laughs) child. Correct. And this is not this is not a chocolate factory, Charlie. You don't get to take over right away just because you, you know, passed the test. Right. So uh, Alfonso II's cousin, Aurelio becomes king right what is happening to alfonso ii at this point is not really clear but he's doing one of two things mm-hmm. number one fruella designated his sister adocinda as right. alfonso ii's guardian right so it's it's entirely possible that alfonso ii is living in his aunt's household sure the other possibility is that since he's old enough to go to school at this point, he may mm. be at a cathedral or a monastery somewhere oh, studying. All right. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the, there was never a question that he was not going to ever become king. It's just mm-hmm. not now. So he has right. to be educated to, to become sure. king. Yes. He's given a rain check and sent home, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, the tradition says that he was in the monastery of San Julian de Samos, which mm. is uh, in Galicia. Okay. Uh, founded in the 6th century, actually. Oh, so wow. Quite, okay. quite an old institution. Yes. So he was either there studying to become mm-hmm. king, or he was living with his aunt. Right? Either way, this is this is probably good uh, for the future. Um, right. So it, it's pretty calm at this point. Mm-hmm. And things remain mostly calm when Aurelio unfortunately dies right. after quite a short reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adocina gets married at this point to a man named Silo. Yes. Right. And Silo becomes king. His mother figure marries and that father figure replaces uh, the other father figure. So right. 
So at this point, you have to Al- imagine at this point, Alfonso is has worked out a policy of just not getting attached to adults because um, <laughs> they're not going to be around for very long. Like you said, it is quite a revolving door. Yes. At this point, Alfonso II is a teenager and he is mm-hmm. definitely brought back to court to Adosinda's right. household right. because Silo makes him the mayor of the palace, right. the governor of the palace. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So he's he's been educated either in Adosinda's house or at a monastery. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now he's actually getting some hands on right. Right. experience. Sh- with... Shadowing the boss. Basically. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yes. So when Silo does finally die, he Uh he is king for longer than Aurelio. But yes, um, although that's not much of an accomplishment. It's not much (laughs) longer. It's not it's not super long. But Mm -hmm. uh, Alfonso is now in his early to mid 20s. All right. We are ready. Now is when. Now, now is when. And actually, some sources state that Alfonso II was crowned now at this point, which is 783. Okay. so some sources say that he was king twice. First in the year 783, and then when he actually became king. So so there Mm. are some sources that say that Alfonso II was actually crowned at this point. Okay. However, if he was, he did not get to be king for very long because his illegitimate uncle, his father's illegitimate son, Moragato. Yes, the dark horse appears. Yes, and usurps the throne. Right. I believe his opening speech was not so fast. Not so uh, fast, you little yeah. kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it went down. Okay. But let's say that. Sure. This time, Alfonso II definitely leaves court. Because yes. it's, yeah. it's not really safe to be the anointed yeah. king when there's another right. king. When 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 the illegitimate uncle appears out of nowhere and, you know, s- steps between you and the throne skedaddle it's just it's just it's just prudent so this time we know where he went he went to alava okay now alava is that province in the easternmost part of the asturian kingdom that is actually quite culturally basque right think of it as part of the basque country but it was part of the asturian kingdom right okay he goes there um, because this is where his mother is from right right munia is her name she was mm -hmm. basque and so this is where Alfonso goes for the entirety of Moragatus's reign, which right. was surprisingly long. I mean, not not super long, no, but longer no. than we expected. This is Michael Corleone going back to Sicily. This is, you know, the, the period where he learns about the roots from the side of the family that no one has talked about. That kind Yes. Of so he's there in Alava for all of Moragato's reign. And mm-hmm. what we learned in Moragato's episode, that one of the things he did was completely change the court officials and right. the people in power right swapped everybody out sure so that when moragato died uh, mm-hmm. another cousin bermudo yes king. right because once again everybody who would have wanted alfonso on the throne got canned by moragato yes and then when he died they're still there so they like him they just i just got my apartment the way i like it i don't want to have to move exactly um, yeah Alfonso II is still in Alaba, but it's pretty clear that he was well-connected with events happening in the court, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't just hanging out and, like, being a monk or something. Right. He, oh, he was still I, maneuvering. Yeah, I'm sure that when Bermudo took over, if we have his diary, it's nothing but six pages of obscenity. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but the thing is, when Bermudo is king, we learned that he wasn't mm. king for very long because right? he suffered a humiliating defeat. Yeah, it turned out he was bad at the job. Just absolutely he was, awful. 
at he the was job. not at a very effective war leader. His conquistadores right. score was terrible. Mm-hmm. I yep. think we might have given just a straight I, zero. I, I think no, no, he was a zero, and you know there was a debate as to whether or not we could give negative negative uh, points yeah, because no, he he's, lost territory he's to to the southern yeah. kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yes, so this was in seven ninety one, and apparently the defeat was so bad yes. that Bermudo abdicated, became mm-hmm. a clergy member. Yes, he and suddenly a, remembered. <laughs> mm-hmm, remembered he was a deacon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, that's what it was. And so Alfonso II, at this point, is able yep. to come in and say, look, <laughs> this isn't working out. If, I've been ready for the job for years mm-hmm. now. Can it be me? Right. Yeah, I was going to say, did you see that defeat? If that's not God sending a message. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So the official start date for Alfonso II's reign is Mm -hmm. September 14th, 791. Okay, got it. So let's put it this way. Let's pretend that 783 is when the crown goes on his head. 791 is when he gets to sit on the throne. Yes, and that's Um, where we're going to be counting um, his his reign from. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. Although, honestly, the, the game of musical chairs is going to play into his Nome Digas score, uh, I, I, I predict. Yes. Uh, so. so the very first thing that Alfonso mm-hmm. II does once he's officially king in 791 mm-hmm. is he says, I'm moving the capital. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he moves the capital from Travia to Oviedo. Now, oh, Oviedo okay. was actually, we've talked about this town before, Alfonso mm-hmm. I founded it right so it's a newish town mm-hmm. it's more you know the 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 capital keeps moving around to reflect the changing territorial gains and losses of us right i was i was going to ask obviously this wasn't just done out of spite for everybody that morigato brought in but what 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 motivated it <laughs> well so. yes uh but actually i think you've put your finger right on it i think a lot of it was motivated not necessarily out of spite but out of alfonso ii looking around and realizing yes these people agreed for me to become king right they're not my but allies literally all of you are the reason why i wasn't king before the yes. catastrophic loss yes he very clearly felt that he needed to build a new court that was loyal to him Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he moves the capital to Oviedo. Okay, all right. Yes. Uh, is that Oviedo with a T or Oviedo with a, with a D? D. Okay. O V I E D O. Oviedo. Okay, got it. Got it. Yes. Got it. Okay. Now Alfonso II gets kind of a rough start. Oh dear. When he is king, mm-hmm. he is he becomes king in the last year or so of Abdelrahman the first's reign. Right. I mean, he he inherits a kingdom that has just been curb stomped. It, um, yes. So, yeah. But what's even worse is that not long after Alfonso II becomes king, Abdelrahman mm-hmm. the first dies and Hisham right. becomes king. In, oh, in no. Yeah. yeah. So now Hisham is the king of Al-Andalus. And as we yeah. heard in his episode very good tactician yeah very yeah, you know yeah turns out that yeah i was gonna say well who's his replacement you're not gonna like this he's no. really good at one thing and guess what that one thing is 
uh, curb stomping is yeah, what it is. I was say, put it this way. His uh, initial order was 10,000 targets with your face on them. <laughs> so yeah. Now, remember at this time, Hisham has those two brothers that mm-hmm. are working for him as, as military generals, right, Abdel Malik right. and Abdel Karim. Right. Also yes. very good at their jobs. Very good at their jobs. And they deploy really well since they're both very good at their jobs. And Hisham also leads troops sometimes. They're able to deploy pincher movements where one stack section of the army will go to one place, another mm. will go to another, and Asturias will be getting it on both ends, basically. Boy. Okay. All right. Yes. This is exactly what happened in the year 794. So 794. 794. <laughs> this is a battle that shows up in all sources, in the Arabic sources, as well as in the Christian sources. Oh, as in the Christians essentially said, we'd love to deny that this one happened, but... Yes. Now, the Christian source, this is the Chronicle of Alfonso III, says uh, King Alfonso the Great was anointed as king on the 18th day before the calendars of October in the era mentioned above. Above it says the year 791 when Morigato or when Bermudo uh, abdicated. Sure. Says in the third year of his reign, so 794, 794, an army of Arabs entered Asturias under the command of a certain general named Mugait. This is a frustrating response because... Ibn Mugait is technically the name of both brothers, oh, Abdul Malik so, and Abdul Karim. So we don't know which one. So All it right. doesn't say which one because they are both oh. Ibn Mugait because they right. are brothers and they All share right. a father. Mm-hmm. But looking at other sources, it is Abdul Malik that right. comes to Asturias. Abdul Karim is also involved, but he goes east to Alava, ah. to the Basque country, All and right, stirs sure. up trouble there. Whereas Abdul Malik, by the way, boy, is that the easiest job in the world? Yeah, <laughs> and then Abdul Malik goes west to Asturias. The Chronicle of Alfonso III continues and says, mm-hmm. "Headed off by the Asturians at Lodos, seventy thousand of the Arabs were killed along with their commander." Okay, all right. That's it. We're done. That's it. That's, that's all it. it says. That's the end. And then it goes on to the wonderful things that Alfonso did during his reign. Uh, yeah, but. How 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 many Christians were lost? Quick question. That's well, that's one half of a score. <laughs> let's go to uh, Al Makari. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's. Uh, this this is from Al Makari, uh, the Arabic side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Quote: Another invasion was made under the command of Hisham in the year mm-hmm. seven ninety four. Uh huh. Abdal Malik penetrated far into Galicia and reached Astorga, where the king of mm-hmm. the Galicians, assisted by the king of the Basques, seemed disposed to make a stand. But mm. not daring to come to close quarters with the Muslims, the two kings retreated into their states, where they were hotly pursued by Abdal Malik. Mm-hmm. Isha, moreover, had previously sent by another route some forces which joined Abdal Malik in the enemy's country and laid it waste. So this wow. is referring to the Pincher movement. Yeah, sure. They were opposed by the troops of the Franks, who at first obtained some trifling advantage over them, though the Muslims at last returned safe and victorious. Hmm. All right, so let's let's unpack this and talk about what really happened. Those are two completely different stories. I two mean, that com- makes Rashomon look consistent. Two completely different stories. Well, first of all, you kind of have to get over, as I said, the naming is right. confusing right. with the Chronicle mm-hmm. of Alfonso III just calling the general Mugaith, and it's right, like, okay, right. that could be either brother. Yeah. And the Arabic chronicles mixing up the Basques, the Galicians, the Franks, just using these almost interchangeably for Christian forces. Right. There's a lot of, I was going to say, there's a lot of semi bigoted hand waving uh, going yes. on here. <laughs> but what it seems happened is that 
as I said before, Abdel Malik goes to the west to yes. Asturias. Abdel Karim goes to the east to Alaba. And mm-hmm. they construct this pincher movement on Asturias. Right. Mm-hmm. They are amazingly successful, just raiding sure. and destroying the countryside all right. around them. Yeah, there's nothing too ambiguous about laid waste. Yes. Uh, <laughs> As a matter of fact, Abdel Malik gets all the way to Oviedo and sacks whoa yeah all right new capital as bad as it goes that's as bad as it gets yeah then because the the goal of this movement was not to conquer asturias or Mm -hmm. or anything like that or to gain territory it was really intramural war okay we've talked about the intramural war aspect again so Mm -hmm. once they have reached their goal which is lay waste to the countryside gather Mm -hmm. up all the booty sack the capital they turn around and go back Ah, okay. Well, the loops. Right. By the way, uh, leaving, they probably turn and look down the annals of history to Napoleon and say, see, this is how you invade. <laughs> you take yes. what you want and you get the hell out right away. Don't wait. However, during their retreat, oh, they no. run into a skirmish with some Christian forces around uh-huh. Lodos, according okay. to the Chronicle of Alfonso III. Uh-huh. And in this skirmish on their way out, the Muslims were flat. Right. Okay. By Abdel All right. II's forces. And All Abdel right. Malik himself dies. Mm, mm, okay. Came back safely is a bit of a whopper. Yes. Um, no, they did not return safe and victorious, right. as uh, Al-Makari has it. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it is significant. Uh, basically, if we ignore the part, if we add the part that gets yada, yada, yada out of both narratives, we get the story. Yes. Um, so okay. we can put it together, get the actual story. Mm-hmm. Now, this kind of spooks Alfonso II. It's definitely, it's definitely the biggest entrance into Asturian territory that has happened for a long time. And it's yeah, the capital Hisham, got sacked. Yeah, and it's because Hisham wants to throw down and show that he is the most important. Of so, course. starting maybe about a year or two after this battle, Alfonso II starts sending envoys and ambassadors to Charlemagne. Charlemagne! Charlemagne. Oh. Everyone in this podcast goes to visit Charlemagne. Yeah, of course, obviously. You know, right. We're, we're, we're we've had, gonna, yeah, we've had Abdel cozy up to the Hulk and hope that it all works out. Yes. Well, we've had Abdel Rahman's the first brothers, Suleiman mm-hmm. and Abdallah. Abdallah went and tried it, and Charlemagne said, mm-hmm, "No thanks." Yeah. No. 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 What's in it for me? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, we had the Wali of Zaragoza, which sure. Charlemagne said. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And yeah, then I was going to say, you're flattened. disposable either way. So, yeah, this could be fun. But then once he gets to Zaragoza, Zaragoza changes its mind and says no. And then Charlemagne has to retreat through the Pyrenees Basque, and, the Basque country yes, and it gets uh, wiped out by the Basques. Song of Roland. Yeah. Uh, we have seen the Wali of Barcelona try this. This time, Charlemagne comes in and is successful and takes right. Barcelona. Sure. Definitely and, his his campaign known as the Fool Me Once campaign. Exactly. Um, right. I, I, I definitely think Charlemagne and Louis the Pious took some notes from the Zaragoza mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah. So they took Barcelona. And now mm-hmm. we have Alfonso II cozying up to Charlemagne mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the late 700s, early 800s. Mm-hmm. Charlemagne is actually receptive to this. Okay. He sees Alfonso II as his natural ally and as his... Mm-hmm if not equal, at least 
you know, it's another Christian king right. the, on the European say, continent. No, nobody's the equal, but he's on the same team. <laughs> yes. Einhardt's The Life of Charlemagne actually mentions Alfonso II and calls him Charlemagne's man. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's most, right. most not scholars, a bad position to be it's in. It's not a bad position to be in. Now, most scholars don't think that this literally meant that Alfonso II was like a vassal to Charlemagne or anything uh, like that. You know, more like a bro, I, yes. I assumed. Yeah. Yeah. So that they saw themselves as equals, uh, more eh, or less. That's adorable, and, but yeah. okay, fine, it, whatever. It is kind of adorable. But uh, the point is these envoys, these ambassadors, were successful in opening up relationships between the two kings. All right, good. Nixon went to China. Excellent. Yes. Okay. With this kind of backup, Alfonso II feels more confident um, in taking the advantage. Oh, I'd swagger. I yes. would absolutely swagger. Yes. Especially since Hisham's reign was not very long, as we no. learned. And no. when it, his great son, but short. great but short, and when mm -hmm. his son Al Hakam took over, he was too busy dealing with internal struggles. Yeah, he was. His uncles were trying to take over, and he had well, to deal with that. Yeah, he had, a, and also he had a lot of heads to cut off. He um, had a lot of heads to cut off, a lot of Toledan heads and a lot of Cordoban heads. Yeah. Now you'll learn not to make, you know, cruel SNL sketches about me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no more poets. Yeah. No more mm -hmm. poets. Nope. But under this protection, and again, we don't know whether Charlemagne sent troops or money or weapons or anything like that. But mm -hmm. Alfonso II definitely felt bold enough to go back on the offense. Good. And in fact, he had conquered Andalusian territory up to Lisbon, Portugal. Whoa. By 798. That, all right. That is uh yeah, that that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. All no, right. it, it was very good. Uh yep. he's able to basically extend the buffer zone that mm -hmm. des despoblado that we talked about. Yes, yes, exactly. I and like this. this. And this also makes it possible for him to repopulate some of the parts that used to be in the Despoblado, but now right. have their own buffer zone. All right. This yes. is good. Yes. He so, obviously had his eye on his Conquistador score. He <laughs> did. Yes. And he was able to not only give Hisham as good as he got, mm -hmm. but was able to take advantage of the disorder of Al-Hakam's reign. Right. Okay. Hey, uh, I noticed you're killing all of your people. Could I maybe just get a couple of those uh, in? <laughs> just, you know, my people would love it. <laughs> yes. So then we have this middle part of his reign from mm -hmm. about 800 to about 820, where okay. events are going on elsewhere, right? Oh, we have okay. Bera yes. in Barcelona. We have right. Al-Hakam. We have Charlemagne. Yeah, I mean, Al-Hakam's going to be on the throne for, I have it here, 26. He's he's on the throne until 822. That's a, you know, he was, that's stability. It is um, stability. You know, you, if, yes. if you're Alfonso, you're looking in one direction, you're looking in another direction, all right, these are the two guys I'm going to have to deal with for my reign, yes. um, which is good to know. But they're mostly busy elsewhere. Yeah, no, like, they got their own stuff going on. Charlemagne dies in 814, and his son right. Louis the Pious becomes full king of all the Franks. Right. And there's just a lot going on. So Alfonso II is more able to turn his attention inward all in right. a way that the revolving door of kings that we've had up here in the north hasn't been able to. Of course, of course. I mean, uh, and again, you know, you're, you know, potential rival takes over his name is louis the pious I, i'm not worried I, yeah. I just i feel as though this is going to be safe 
Right. So Alfonso really digs in on upping the culture of the court, upping okay. the prestige of his kingdom, yes. and infrastructure building. This all is right. what he works on. Right. All right. So Smart. All, all of the stuff that we talked about where like Pelayo was related to Witiza or Roderick somehow, or that, mm-hmm. that there's this link to the Visigoths. This starts in Alfonso II's court. Okay. He wants to restore like the unbroken tradition from the Visigoths, even though uh, it is not true. Right. No, no. We're gonna we're gonna make up a convenient story. Yeah, so this um, okay. this really blossoms in the reign of Alfonso the Third, right? This okay, is the chronicle sure. of Alfonso the Third, after all. But this is where it starts. So we're sort um, of in that period that 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 again, analogy, analogy. We're sort of in that period. Every so often, England wants to call back to its Arthurian past. Uh, in the 19th century, America wanted to call back to the founding fathers and the 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 idea of our lineage which has never changed or never been broken and and thus we draw strength from it correct Um, and that's exactly the kind of thing that alfonso ii is looking to cultivate right because that's not worrisome at all by the way i just want to mention that for example when a german talks about you know their their pagan past it's always a good sign that Uh, yeah we're headed for a progressive era yeah scandinavians and and their love of viking culture yeah yeah yeah. that's got Mm -hmm. nothing to do with anything problematic (laughs) anyway (laughs) well let me read you from the chronicle of alfonso the third some of the building works that Mm -hmm. uh alfonso the second took on okay quote Alfonso established his throne in Oviedo, adding a basilica in honor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, with 12 altars in accordance with the number of the apostles. He built a church in honor of the Holy Ever-Virgin Mary with individual altars of wonderful workmanship and strong construction. He also Mm. founded another church dedicated to the most blessed martyr, Tirsus, near the Church of the Holy Savior. Some distance from the palace, he built a church in honor of Saints Julian and Basilisa with a pair of altars of wonderful workmanship and set up in a marvelous arrangement. He also (laughs) directed in order to be built a royal palace, baths, and storehouses for all types of provisions. Oh, wow. That's yeah. uh that that's that's fun. Yeah, so uh, he he basically goes on a building spree. He wants yeah. his capital and his kingdom to mm-hmm. be magnificent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is uh this is this is good. This is going to yeah. do well for him. Yeah, I um, noticed the nice. phrase wonderful workmanship a couple mm-hmm. times in there. Right. Um he got which, the good contractor. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely thinking of the contractors. Like there was a lot yeah. of work to go around. Because yeah, mm-hmm. everything needs to be great, and everything needs to be showing how wonderful mm-hmm. the Asturians are. Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, we cannot talk about Alfonso II's cultural building without talking about the Way of Saint James. Oh, okay. Tell me what you know about the Way of Saint James, the Camino de Santiago. I know nothing about it. You know absolutely it. Uh, nothing I, about it. I this. know nothing about it. Oh my gosh, I get to tell you for the first time. All right. Oh, good. So during Alfonso II's reign, supposedly the mm-hmm. bones of St. James were found in Spain. Okay, this is, now, I, I assume this is St. James the Apostle. The Apostle, okay, correct. All right. so St. James okay. was one of the Apostles. Yes. And there was a legend that he uh, he traveled the furthest of all of mm. the Apostles and made it all the way to Spain. And that he was the first one to preach the good news in Spain. 
That's a lot of walking. All right. Okay, cool. Now, according to the legend, he left before Christianity could really take hold. And Mm. that... um, Oh, as in, I'm just going to leave this here. Read it at your leisure. (laughs) Well, the the honor of Christianizing Spain goes to to others, right? Right, St. James is not considered the Christianizer of Spain. So he's not St. Patrick. No, he is not. Okay, gotcha, Uh, gotcha. But when James died... Mm-hmm. Again, according to the legend, because mm-hmm. of his history in Spain, his bones were transferred back to Spain and buried there. I'm starting to be skeptical. So during the reign of Alfonso II, these bones were discovered near the village, city, whatever you want to call it, of uh, Iraflavia, which is in Galicia. Somebody dug up a skeleton. All right. Yes. These bones of St. James and mm-hmm. their location became a pilgrimage site. Of and course during the reign of Alfonso II, a church was built near Iraflavia in what is now Santiago de Compostela in Galicia. Okay. And this was uh, basically a tourist attraction. Of course it was. That's what that's what that's what Disneyland was back before there was Disneyland. Do, it, do you, you remember you... we talked about the Battle of Covadonga and that shrine that was yes. built in the cave? Yes. Which is bar- which by the way, I, again, as tourist destinations go, it's really cool. And, and um, we looked at the pictures and you were like, wow. And I said, this was a pilgrimage site for a little bit, but then another one is going to supplant it. Aha. Uh-huh. So this is the one that is going to supplant it. Gotcha. Okay. Alfonso II is considered the first pilgrim to Santiago de Compostela because he went. And the path that he took from Oviedo to Santiago de Compostela is now considered the primitive Camino de Santiago. Uh Aha. All right. Yeah. The very first pilgrimage route. Okay. All right. It's hard to overstate the importance of this to Asturias, to Spain, mm-hmm. and to Spanish culture. Okay. Even now, thousands and thousands of pilgrims walk the Camino de Santiago oh, and wow. go to okay. Santiago de Compostela. Okay. If you go to the north of Spain, you can see parts of the route because there are different routes. The main route starts in France, mm-hmm. in the Basque country in France, and you walk across the entire north of Spain. Oh, wow. Okay. But but there are other routes. So if you go to the official route, or even if you go by some of these other routes, you will see yellow seashells with mm. arrows mm. indicating this this is the Camino de Santiago. This oh, is wow. where you're okay. supposed to walk. All right. Walking gotcha. the Camino de Santiago is uh, still considered a religious experience. There are religious mm. pilgrims that do it. Okay. However, there are many people who consider it something akin to walking the Appalachian Trail. Or the ah, Pacific Crest Trail. Sure. It is. Sure. Um, there are way houses on the way where you can stay for free or very cheap. Right. Uh, at regular intervals that are the same since like the ninth century. Okay. All right. Like this is very huge. If you don't know anything about the Camino de Santiago, I would mm. recommend that you watch the movie The Way. Okay. With um, Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Playing a father and son. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's in English. Oh, it, sure. Uh, yes. But um, it is a really good introduction to what is the Camino de Santiago? What okay. is it now? What is it for? And it also, I mean, it's shot on location. Oh, get great right. shots of mm-hmm. the cathedral and that huge incense swinger that they do. Like, it's, Sure, it's, sure. It's a tourist attraction. Yeah. 
that's but an awesome one. <laughs> it's awesome. You have you can get a passport that is stamped mm -hmm. with all the stops that you do, and you get, oh, you nice. get a certificate when you get to Santiago de Compostela. Okay. If you're religious, there's a lot of uh, different uh, rituals that you can do once you've made the whole thing and you're at the church. Mm. It's huge. I can't overstate how huge. Okay. This is. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. All right. In cool. addition, it, it's not just. It's hard for me to say which came first, the chicken or the egg, but St. Mm. James, Santiago, becomes a huge figure in Asturian and Northern Christian ideology when it comes to the Reconquest. Of course. I don't know if the image of Santiago as a Muslim fighter came first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why the bones, and that's why they're like, oh, these are the bones of St. James, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. whether the bones were discovered first, and then Santiago became this figure of a, a, a sure. Muslim war, a, a sure. fighting the Muslims. Mm -hmm. But they definitely went together. There All was right. apparently a sighting of St. James in a very important battle, which we're going to get to during Alfonso II's reign. And from mm -hmm. that point on, St. James is taken up as the patron saint of the reconquest okay all yes. right he's he's often called santiago matamoros matamoros meaning more killer right oh god oh yeah. mm -hmm. all right yeah all right again it's hard to overstate the no this is yeah this is this is big this is huge all it right is, so, it is huge so basically i mean I, again, I, I don't want to draw an analogy that doesn't hold up, but we're we're basically talking Canterbury. Um, yes, we in, are. In, ter in terms of yeah, in terms of foundational uh, church. Yeah, I mean, okay, got it. Yes, got it. this this is exactly all of those seeds that will come mm -hmm. to fruition. Yeah, yeah. To define the Reconquista are happening okay. here. Then. After this kind of period of calm during Al Hakam's reign, mm -hmm. Al Hakam dies and his yes. son Abd al Rahman II becomes king. Right. He's a bit more interested in pushing pushing back on right. the north. Of course he is. So we have the second large battle of Alfonso uh, II's reign, and this is in 825. This is the Battle of Naron, mm -hmm. place in Galicia. Again, the Arabic sources have great things to say about uh, the the invasions of Galicia and Alava. Of course, right? of course. Um, so here we go. Quote, mm -hmm. Abdul Rahman II dispatched an expedition against the country of Alava and the castles under the command mm -hmm. of his Hajib, Abdul Karim. He's still hanging out. His brother yeah. died a long time ago. But right, no, I was gonna going to say, he's, he's, he's venerable, I believe, yes. is, is the term we have to use at yes, this point. Yes, this general ravaged the country and destroyed many towns that lay in his way. He likewise reduced by force of arms several of the enemy's fortresses, the inhabitants mm. of some of which obtained security and peace on condition of releasing all of their Muslim captives and paying the customary annual tribute. After this achievement, Abdul Karim returned victorious to Cordoba. Uh -huh. All right. right. Okay. We're we're seeing the seeds of uh, tribute payments or paddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is I, something I, that's going to become hugely, hugely common during the Reconquest, where individual well, towns right. will pay tribute to whoever has most recently conquered them. Sure. But it's, it's the next logical step from intramural. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it is. If it's like, ah, uh, do we have to do it this year again? I tell you what, just, just cut us a check and we'll go home. It's so much easier. Yes, definitely. So so that's what the Arabic sources have to say about it. The okay. Christian sources, 
do not really mention this oh, really? second battle. But this uh, change over from either just sacking the countryside and taking all their booty to right. capturing the town and saying, okay, you have to pay us. Right. Makes the border slightly less dangerous. Sure. If that makes sense. Oh, no, absolutely. So repopulation It also continues. really sort of changes the tenor of all of this. This is this is feeling like it is it's it's no longer really about religion, right? Anymore. It's just not feeling. Uh, it, we're not trying to convert anymore. This is not. Yeah, right. That's not what this is. In yes. fact, we actually have incentive for you guys not to be Muslim, because if you're Muslim, we can't take your money. There were some other battles that happened. We have another one happening in 838. Okay. We have another one happening in 840. We have another oh. one in 843. Okay. And then we have 845. All right. So all of these are significant enough battles to be mentioned. Mm -hmm. And this um, is all during his reign. So, this is all still during Alfonso right. II's reign. Which, again, I, I'm I'm impressed. Because uh, uh, we're wrapping up at this point. Alfonso okay. II dies in 842. Okay. All he was right. king for 52, 52 years. 52 years? Those are Victoria numbers. And um, he was almost like 30 when he became when he king. took the throne yeah oh wow he 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 went out chin to swim venerable does not even no begin to no cover now it. we're just at old old he was very old yeah the chronicle of alfonso the third has this to say about him as a person quote okay. king alfonso led a glorious chaste continent sober and immaculate life for many years and in ripe old age after ruling for 52 years sent his most holy spirit to heaven wow uh, okay now i will tell you that chase golden is... chariot descends to pick him up yeah maybe <laughs> I mean, now that chase in that list is not just for show Alfonso no. II's nickname is The Chase. Right, right. He has no children that we know. Right. So we got a we got an Elizabeth uh, situation here. However, uh, he uh -huh. was married. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh! That poor, poor, poor woman. Uh, he was okay. married to a woman named Berta, possibly <laughs> related to uh, the Frankish royal family. Yes. Okay. All right. That would, that would make sense. Yes. But zero children. Right. And as Alfonso II is known as the chaste, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's assumed that they didn't even try. But I see a lot of very passive aggressive conversations over Scrabble. Well, um, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of Scrabble playing. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he dies with a foreign okay. wife. Okay, who's, yes. And no children. No children, yeah. Who's king next? That's a really good question, isn't it? It's a it? really good question. Especially since it? because he took so long to get to the throne, all the other possible replacements are long since dead. 100% true. All right. of his siblings and cousins are done. Yeah. Dead. Passed. Wow. This is now, awkward. Okay. Now, the most likely candidate is Ramiro. Ramiro is Bermudo's mm -hmm. son. Okay. Oh, Ber wow. Bermudo, but, the terrible I mean, general. Okay. That's, 
that's not ideal. Uh, <laughs> I told you in his episode that he his is the line that is going to survive. Well, that's true. You did, yep. and that's okay. So you know it's going to happen, but there's a little hiccup at first. Uh, oh, yeah. Someone who is only referred to as the Count of the Palace, which, <laughs> who is this guy? His name is Napotian, N-E-P-O-T-I-A-N. Right. Napotian. He mm-hmm. takes the throne for a hot second because oh, Ramiro please. is out of town getting married. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, wow. Okay. This does not last very long. No, comes no, back it's like the says, office manager declaring that they're now head of the law firm. That is not going to happen. No, so <laughs> Napoleon is kicked off the throne. We are not even going to cover him. The next Thank king you. is the son of Alfonso II's cousin, and his name is Ramiro. So that's the life and kingship of Alfonso II. You ready to read him? Lord, I mean, yeah, but uh, this is. I want to point out that you know, as you know, I take notes during this. Is the this? It might be the long. It's not the longest, but I have gone on to a third page. Oh wow, very impressive. So yeah, there there's a lot here. So how did that compare to Al Hakam? Incidentally, Um, Al Al Hakam actually went on to two pages plus. Yeah. Uh, quite a lot of that was heads question mark heads exclamation mark <laughs> so yeah well let's let's rate alfonso the second now all right our first category is conquistadores how good were they at war well I, well okay um here here's what i would say he has the career of a of a of a rocky movie you've mm-hmm. got to lose the first fight to make everything after that look comparatively victorious i mean 794 794 was a disaster was a disaster was a disaster but but worth pointing out that in retreat they they kind of evened the score a little bit. Yes. Um there was there was a sense of it it started off as a one-way route and then it stopped being a one-way route. I mean 70,000 Arabs didn't make it home. Exactly. Uh, so so if it had ended with the sacking of Oviedo, that would have been a, an absolute black mark as it is I think it's a gray mark. Give him credit for borrowing the glory of Charlemagne, smart uh move. Yeah. Um but but I think at the end the of the day the conquest of Lisbon is pretty good. Too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At the end of the day I think the ultimate uh measure is where did the borders go? Mm-hmm. And the borders went in the right direction. They did. Um, and yeah. the fact that he was able to repopulate some of those right. and, yes. unpopulated yeah, exactly. areas. You're, you're, you're putting people on land that you now safely control. That's, that, that's, the, that's the good kind of conquistadore, um, where you're less focused on killing and more focused on setting up farms and you know kind yes. of doing that they have the coast now they have the west coast they uh, do there's, there's yeah. a lot to be said for that as well i mean the pacific is still very much not an ocean that we care about it's a border it's not the an pacific? opportunity but yeah i think i mean well they're not crossing it yet the atlantic i'm sorry oh good good well all you're right, so californian so, the wow, west coast I, is I, not I said the pacific west coast here and that's what yes oh all right i <laughs> Uh, All right. Anyway, the Atlantic is still a border. My point stands. Correct. (laughs) Anyway, but at the same time, you know, 
It's not amazing. It's not amazing. It's not up there with the amazing. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, there's no. I mean, we're we're nowhere near you know Musa territory or Mm -hmm. Yobagil territory. That's that's not a thing. But I'll give him a. I'm gonna give him a six. Okay. I think I think a six is fair. Also, because when we look at all of those battles, 838, 840, 843, 845, he's in the game the yes. whole time. There's no great victory, but there's no disastrous uh, loss that we can't come back from. There's a sense of... Correct. He, the only a, huge disastrous defeat was right. 794. Right. And and in, in his defense, Bermudo had bequeathed him an absolutely shattered military correct so it's you know i I, humiliated one yeah absolutely so i i'm i'm gonna yeah as i say i think six feels feels good it mostly because of portugal and just well you know he he in his if he were to give a defense he would look up and say look at the map just look at the map yeah that's fair yeah. I'm a little less impressed. I'm going to give him a five, but I agree yeah. with you. It's good, okay. but it's not amazing. Exactly. Exactly. So that is an 11 for Conquistadores. Mm-hmm. Our second mm-hmm. category is No Me Digas. What kind mm-hmm. of scandaly bits did he get up to? Well, there's no well, bed romantics. No, there's no. In fact, the, the absence, but here's what I'll say. The absence of bed romantics is kind of scandaly. A little. Think, I would yeah, talk about it. As in the sense of what the what goes on there he's got Um, a wife yeah he got married yeah also she's frankish if you want to keep that goodwill going Mm -hmm. maybe just dot 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 you know i mean i mean they clearly got married for political reasons obviously but but children are what cements that alliance i i consider that to be a a bit of a failure on his part i mean point being there's a lot of speculation as to what, I mean, I'm sitting here wondering, I'm wondering a lot. Yeah. And if I were alive at the time, I would spend a lot of time showing up at parties and saying, okay, I got a new theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe he saw that his grandfather had too many kids and it caused true. so much trouble. Is it overcorrected. Maybe he's um, not interested in that. Right. Um, I, I will point out that if we if we think about the other world monarch who who lived a very long time and did not have children, Elizabeth, you study her youth and like all the grown-ups in her life died horribly, mm. uh, largely as a result of romantic entanglements. So it's one of those things where, yeah, if you're sufficiently traumatized, you're gonna you're gonna say a big nope. Uh, yeah, to that. No and, thanks. I, and, and that that speaks to a childhood which he which we know that he did have where there was a lot of death i can imagine him basically saying let's see if i have a child oh crap i'll die horribly and abandon that child because children are abandoned it reminds me of athelstan's parents it's yeah like they had athelstan mm-hmm. and then they were like like his mom was like that pregnancy was terrible. No, yeah, no more. And they and they had zero more children. Right. Like it's such, you know, we we normally don't think of historical figures as necessarily being logical and thinking the same mm-hmm. way that we do, but right. but they totally did. They oh, were totally like, oh no. <laughs> Apart from that, there's no like money laundering there's no genocide no, there's no, no. five thousand heads being cut off no he's he's clearly i mean 
bottom line is there's no reason to imagine that he wasn't wildly popular. I mean, basically, his career is mostly defined by building cool stuff for the public. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, I I don't imagine there's very much. But there there is at least one thing that we will talk about quite a bit. So I'll give him a four. Um, wow you're yeah. re- you really want to talk about this yeah i really do in, in part because i want to know about berta's life i want to know how, <laughs> how how was she was she okay with this but maybe she was okay with this maybe the reason that they didn't is because she didn't want to i don't know but yeah. I, I i yeah i mean it would be like again i'm kind of imagining like having george and martha on the throne and just Oh, they're gonna they're they're in a mood today. Uh, <laughs> so I yeah, I, I would talk about it a lot. Um I wouldn't talk about it as much. I'm I'm gonna say a two. All right. Well, uh, clearly this is this is pushing a button with me that clearly you know, maybe, you've I, got much yeah, more of a prurient I, I, interest. I was gonna here. say I gotta I gotta talk to my therapist. This isn't good. Um but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say four. I would talk a lot about it. So that is a six for mm-hmm. no Vegas. Third category, yep. orthodoxia. How much did they promote their own faith? Uh, a I'm, lot. Yeah. I'm. Uh, is this going to be a 10? Are we going to do a 10 on it's this gotta one? It's got to be mean, very close. Given he, what you have said about the way of St. James. Okay. The Camino de Santiago, number one. Yes, number yes. two, relations with Charlemagne, who was the Holy Roman uh, Emperor. Roman Emperor. He also, was, yeah, go ahead. Alfonso II, I didn't mention this before. He was mm-hmm. actually recognized by the Pope. Uh, and king okay. of Asturias. Yes. All right. Also, all I the churches to... he built. Yes. Yes. I want. I want to read my notes. Basilica, church, another church, another church, baths. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we've never had a king that was more Christian than this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it. If this is not. Yeah, I'm trying to think. His name is the Chaste. Yes. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 the send-off, glorious, chaste, continent. I mean, I, j- j- yeah, it's hard to think of anyone who's done more No, I, I, for the Catholic I just, faith, and specifically the Catholic, the Catholic faith in Spain. In Spain, yeah. As you say, this is, if the way of St. James is going to be the Christian beachhead, Mm-hmm. of the reconquest then mm-hmm. what we're looking at is the man who is responsible for the beginning of taking and transforming spain back into a fully christian nation mm-hmm. i i gotta go with a 10 on this one i, I, I have to i have I, to give yeah, him a 10 yeah yeah i mean just... i mean other other monarchs coming up will do more but i think alfonso ii did absolutely the most in his time exactly i I think that's basically it i mean like again if he's in his defense he would essentially say name me something else i could have done i don't yeah and we're like i literally can't think of anything more you could have done both personally and at the level of the state yeah he promoted the heck out of catholicism right Right. so no i i have to think if if he's not a 10 i can't imagine what what there could not be another 10 right he was the first pilgrim to santiago to go the first pilgrim to no no 10 yeah yep well, me too. So that is a 20 for Orthodoxia. Wow. That's, that's totally his. That's a high score. 
Our final category is El yes. Resto. What other mm. things did he do along with being king? Well, you mentioned the bathhouses and the storehouses right. and the yes. roads and connections and everything right. he built. Right. I, I want to talk about another legend here. And it, oh. it's kind of interesting okay. because it doesn't have the lasting power now, but mm-hmm. it was supremely important okay. in the Middle Ages. And mm-hmm. this is the legend of Bernardo de Carpio. Okay. You probably haven't heard of this I guy. Have, I have not. But have you heard of El Cid? Yeah, I have. Okay. So El Cid mm-hmm. is known today as one of the earliest troubadour poems, songs about yes. the reconquest, about a hero of the reconquest. Sure. And one of the oldest ones we have, I think the text that we have is from the late 1000s, early 1100s. So oh, I didn't realize it was that early. Okay, all is, right. Cool. It is very, very old. Sure. Yeah, El Cid died in 1099. Okay, so I guess the earliest mm-hmm. ones were the late 1100s, early 1200s. So okay. about 100 years later than that. But oh, that's when El Cid lived. Anyway, mm. we're not talking about El Cid, but El Cid is the reference point I'm going to give you because Bernardo del Carpio, up okay. until the critical analysis and popularity of El Cid happened Mm -hmm. in the 20th century. Up until then, Bernardo del Carpio was considered the hero of the reconquest. Ah, okay. All right. And there are songs and poems and Mm -hmm. legends and stories about Bernardo del Carpio. If you ask somebody from the late Middle Ages, who is the hero of the reconquest, they would say Bernardo del Carpio. They probably wouldn't even know who El Cid was. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Bernardo de Carpio is important because his legend starts during the reign of Alfonso II. Mm-hmm. Because in the legend of Bernardo de Carpio, Bernardo is the son of a secret marriage between the Count mm. of Saldana, a guy named uh-huh. Pancho Diaz, okay. and Alfonso II's sister, Jimena. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yes. So the legend is that he is Alfonso II's nephew. When Alfonso heard of this illicit marriage, he had Sancho imprisoned and he put his mm. sister in a convent. So Bernardo was raised in the royal court. Now, I'm, g- I'm just going to tell you what the legend is and you will know immediately <laughs> that it is all wrong. Okay. But here it is. When Alfonso got older, he turned to Charlemagne to help him protect his kingdom against the Moors. Bernardo did not want Alfonso to submit himself to Charlemagne. He led Mm. the resistance to this submission. Eventually, Alfonso II was forced to renege on this agreement with Charlemagne. And then Charlemagne invades Spain Uh, as retribution. Bernardo fights on the side of Spain against Charlemagne wiping out the rear guard of Charlemagne's <laughs> army as they go through the passes in the Basque country to return right. to France. Uh, I mean, it, it, if my head were any more firmly in my hands, it would leave a permanent mark. Uh, no, nothing about that is right. <laughs> nothing about that is right. Number one, the Roncevay Pass battle after Zaragoza, which is what this is, happened in the 770s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say there's that. Uh, so that's when that's Alfonso wrong. got older, he turned to Charlemagne. Well, that would be difficult because Charlemagne was dead. That's the other uh, thing. Charlemagne was dead when Alfonso II was old. Yeah. The battle, uh, the battle of the Song of Roland, that battle that it's based yeah. on, happened literally like. Wh- and Alfonso wasn't on the throne then. Alfonso I mean, was six when that I, happened. Jeez. So. Wow. 
right. so many not know. So okay. a lot of fantastical elements going Clearly. on here. There's there's yes. more to the story. He lives longer. He gets into it with Alfonso III. But w- what I want to point out is you can see a lot of similarities between El Cid and Alfonso oh, yes. VI. Oh, yes, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Yes. But Bernardo del Carpio was known as the one who is fighting in the reconquest. Later okay. on, he, he, you know, he takes part in many battles, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Uh, liberated many towns, uh, married the daughter of a count, mm-hmm. populated an area of Spain. Right. The whole thing is fictitious. Okay. But it's interesting that this story reaches back to Alfonso II as a touch point. Okay. Specifically, the fact that Bernardo del Carpio's mother is said to be Alfonso II's sister. Okay. Right? And that the first conflict between Bernardo and the king, the king is Alfonso II. Mm. All right. Okay. So it's it's very interesting that this time period is is noted as being an important point in the reconquest is what right, i'm saying right i mean and and again i i think that goes a lot of that goes back to as you say the the the, the pilgrimage and and sort of that foundational moment all right so we have that yes we have the way of saint james yes we have all of the building that he did, not just religious buildings but infrastructure right. type buildings yes, as infrastructure well infrastructure type buildings yes move the capital the fact- he moved the capital to Oviedo. He yes. ruled for 52 years. 52 years. And then we have depictions of him. Are you ready? Oh, goody. Oh, yes. Hell yes. Of course you are. We'll start with the statues. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> oh, is a statue okay. in Oviedo. There's one that I, I'm not even going to show you because it's literally the exact same mold in Santiago okay. de Compostela. Okay. Right, so wow. there are two okay. copies of this. All right, now is that a breastplate, or have we? Do we have our first topless? I think statue? he's topless. I think he's topless. I too. think he's topless with a cape. Right, and th- that is not the statue of a man called the Chase. Oh no, um, no. Uh, that's 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 the statue of a man that I would probably call booty shorts. No, that is an that is an f boy statue. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, nice detail on his shield, though. Right, I think we haven't right. seen a lot of this kind of detail. No, on, very on nice detail. Also, if your nickname is the Chaste, carrying a shield waist high, it's a little on the nose, but I it like is. it. It is. <laughs> uh, we also have the official. Um, okay, I got to tell you right now, this is probably the prettiest depiction of his oh, face. Okay, all so right. We're, we're going bad. Here's it's pretty the. Pretty. Yeah, all right. It is very pretty. Uh, here right. is the statue in Madrid in the Parque del Retiro. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Not no that's pretty. an Habsburg jaw. That Not is... pretty. The eyes no. are so far apart. Oh, so far apart. He's wall eyed. It's um, bad. It's no, not that pretty. Is a bad, bad. No. Um, now his tunic is a little longer. His skirt, yes. uh, you know, it would would yes. pass dress codes in high school here, would, which is he, nice. I, I, the 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 little dagger is just silly. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, understand that they didn't want to do a sword, but that is just really silly. And obviously, he's got the rod of office, but yeah, no, those are okay. I'm not. He is, he is not good looking. No, no he is not. Yeah, again, the carver finished the job and the person who took out the commission said, 
you understand this is Alfonso the second, right? You, this, we like him. Why did you do this? Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's really bad. All right, here's the painting in the Prado. Um, okay. I'm starting to think there was something wrong with his eyes because again, yeah, yeah. what is up with? Right, well, he's looking up to heaven, but those are uh, no. The eyes are unnaturally high on his skull. Like there's yeah. way that he needs a lot more forehead before that looks right. Um. No, that's 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 not a handsome man. It is not a um, handsome man. I, I was going to say he he has made the right choice to grow his hair and beard longer because uh, I to think cover his unfortunate cover, face. Cover, covering up is a good thing uh, for him. Kind of hate the the patterning on the robe. Uh, the yeah, I don't are, know what's you know, up with that. Those are real cheap. Honestly, what I will say is this is a bad painting it's we've not a good painting some, we've seen some really nice paintings some really nice portraiture obviously okay he's pious so we're gonna have him looking upwards um this is this is clearly someone who spends most of his life uh you know eyes above the horizon but uh no it's not a good painting it's not well then we have some uh illuminations miniatures so so let's I would look call at a clownish use of color here all right so um, this oh, is in, okay this that's is better that's it's better better that's in santiago de compostela right. in the church given these the next two yeah given the limitations of the uh, uh the mode uh that's that's much better yeah i like the colors i like that the blue right. background has been yes. preserved yes i like um, that too he's and, and the face is actually actually expressive which for something of this sort is is unusual we got uh, those fingers looks... that you hate though uh, oh yeah yeah although i will say the ones on his left hand are are better because um, he's holding they, a bat they, they yeah well that yeah they don't but the other hand is the the free hand the at least they don't curve unnaturally that is um, true i i appreciate that also his scam his uh footwear is very much on point it's uh i like i like Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the next miniature, also at Santiago de Compostela. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's not good. It's not. Um, it's really not. Um, <laughs> well, you, you can see the inspiration. I, at the top, uh, it says uh, in Latin, Alfonso, yeah. the chaste king. The chaste, yes. He's on his um, knees. He's supplicating yes. upwards. Supplicating Right, but and clearly there is someone that we're not seeing who is supplicating on the other side. Um, I'm just actually that is not true. Oh, it's not. I'm gonna sh I'm gonna show oh, you please. the full thing. Oh, please do. Oh, okay, all right. Oh no, you're quite you're quite correct. I'm um, quite uh, correct. He's above yes. him is Jesus is and Jesus. the apostles. All right, and that's it. Um, yeah, this is as someone who is a fan of the Cubs. Uh, I've I've taken that position many times myself. Uh, it's not I like going well. I like how there's like zoom ins like just yeah. On his <laughs> well, face. we turn it. Oh, that's mean. It is pretty um, mean. Yeah, uh, although I will say that's a fun crown. Um, it is a fun crown with the tears. It, I like yeah, it. it. It's almost you kind of want to see little miniature trains going around the various <laughs> tears. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you All do. Right. Okay. All right, and the last thing I have is actually Alfonso II's signature. Okay. Oh, all right. 
it's it's about as great as you would accept a signature from the 800s to be yeah i you know it's it's it at, at least it is recognizably a signature i mean it is a signature I'll, I'll give it him is, that much credit it is on a uh document so he he did this signature when he was like a late late teens okay this is the signature right. he put his name on a charter when Silo was king and oh, wow. okay. alfonso the second was the mayor of the palace mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this is his signature all right cool Nice. I think that's pretty cool. That anyway, pretty cool. what do we want to give him for El um, Rey? So, what is his long-term contribution to history? Holy hell, he contributed a lot. Um, in, in particular, I mean, I don't, I don't want to double score him with the churches. I mean, I, I, agree. I feel, I feel as though we, we, but, but what I will say is when I think of the way of Saint James. Mm-hmm. I think not just of the, the 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 conclusion of it. I think of the fact that, as you have pointed out, along the route of a major pilgrimage, you're creating well, you're creating a highway, mm-hmm. and highways create their own culture, uh, their own economy, uh, their own uh, essentially, you know, think in terms of art, of music, of hey, buy this little miniature statue of james and that turns Uh into you know there's it's kind of a cool heritage to leave behind that there are as you say there are still places to this day that take people in Mm -hmm. because once upon a time this guy was the first pilgrim so i want to give him a couple points for that i really i like that a lot yeah. Um, moved the capital, inspired some truly awful portraiture. And some nonsensical legends about and his so, possible and some, nephew. Yes, absolute gibberish, uh, historical gibberish. Mm-hmm. Um, five. Five feels fair, I think. I I'm actually a little more impressed. I'm okay. I'm say six, because I agree okay. with all of you, and I also right. like that this this whole foundational mythology of Asturias yeah, yeah. really starts getting built up. Right. Here. Well, I think I overscored him in a couple of things, so I'll correct here. I'll give him a five. That's fine. So five from you, six from me, that is 11. And mm-hmm. that means his total score is 48. Nice. 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 Very nice. That, that, that 20 in yeah. orthodoxia helped yeah. him out. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he did so well in that category. <laughs> yes. Now we have one final question. Do we let him sign the Charter of Rights, uh, letting him be king, the Fuero, or do we tell him Fuera? Absolutely we let him sign I, it. This I is think a we very, do. This is a slam dunk. And we um, already have his signature on yeah, file was, here. He, we literally have his signature. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Absolutely, no doubt. There's, there's no way we can't look at this reign as anything other than basically thoroughly successful. It's um, nice to have a fuero in the north. It's been a it long really time. It really is. We haven't had one since the foundation, practically. Yeah, I don't so, think we've had yeah. one since Alfonso the first. I was going to say, apparently, Alfonso, good name. Well, um, it goes on till the thirteenth. I got to tell right, you, we're going to so, have thirteen uh, Alfonsos. Thirteen. Well, and after the first two. You understand why they kept coming back to it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, really, yeah, no, very impressive. Um, well, congratulations, well Alfonso II. You have gotten the Fuero. Yay. Yay. Let us know what you think. Uh, we are on all social media with mm-hmm. uh, Spanish Arpada and our 
email address is SpanishArpada at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we really love to hear from people. Right. I will say that because of the artwork that you have on the website, every time we give uh, Fuero, I imagine a trumpet um, blowing somewhere off stage. Exactly. Get out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy that that yeah. artwork. Yeah. All right, it is recommendation time. What okay. have we been into lately? Yes. I will go first. I have Please. been into Eurovision. All right. I have been listening to the uh, the final songs for the mm-hmm. Eurovision Song Contest. For those of you who don't know, the Eurovision Song Contest is a song competition that has mm-hmm. been held every year except one mm-hmm. in Europe since the 50s. Right. Yeah, the one it was not held was 2020. I was gonna, yeah. There, there, there might have been another thing that was happening that made a large group of people getting together undesirable. Yes, but uh, it's actually very interesting. I was living in Spain in 2012, mm-hmm. and I didn't really watch Eurovision. And I'm, I'm gonna commit sacrilege now because okay. I didn't enjoy the 2012 winner very much. Oh, really? Okay. Euphoria by Lorene. Mm, I say that mm. this is. Um, sacrilege because Laureen is actually participating this year again for Sweden and she is uh, well uh, she's she's most people think she's gonna win okay all right she's gonna pull off another win okay Uh, I don't really like her song for this year either so everyone come after me and attack me for not liking Laureen but um, so Right. So I lived in Spain in 2012, didn't really get into it then. And then Mm -hmm. in 2016, I had a professor in in grad school uh, who is from Greece and uh, lived in Germany for many years. And he loves Eurovision. And we actually did a unit on Eurovision in our class, which had very little to do with the class, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of really been interested in that this year I decided I'm going to sit down and listen to, to all the songs and they are just really, really great. I think I showed you Croatia. You did. You did. Yes. Croatia was awesome. Croatia is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite actually is Spain. By the way, how often has that been said uh, over the past my... 20 years? Yeah. Not, <laughs> not as often as not as often as I'd be comfortable with. Um, yes. All right. <laughs> well, my favorite to win is Spain. I mean, okay. obviously, but also it's. It's such a great song. It's very yeah. Lorky and very, very mm-hmm. like Federico Garcia Lorca in the lyrics. All right, all and, right. you know, the whole thing could just fit into Casa de Bernarda Alba without, oh. you know. Oh, it's all amazing. Right. Um, Croatia is my number three. My number two is Finland. Okay. And uh, I could I could just talk about Eurovision all the time. Absolutely. Like, I, no. Um, it is going to be showing at the second week in May, the first full week in May. So the okay. semifinals are going to be on the 9th and the 11th, which is Tuesday mm-hmm. and Thursday. And then the final is going to be on the 13th, Saturday the okay. 13th. We're having a party, by the way. Oh, We're having oh. an Eurovision party. So you're All coming right. over to our house. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's going to be at 3 p.m. Okay. It should be showing through Peacock. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't officially announced it, but they Peacock streamed it last year, and ah, uh, so it, they will, yeah. And and people on the internet seem to think that they're just like finalizing. Absolutely. Um, right. So we're gonna have a party 3 p.m. Saturday the 13th. I'm gonna make mm-hmm. tortilla española, oh, so oh, you goodie. can finally have some. Yes. And um, <laughs> I don't know any Croatian or Finnish dishes, so I, I don't know what to make for those. But Ugh. yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll just get pizza. 
something <laughs> something to do with salted fish in finland i would imagine probably um, yeah maybe we'll just smoke some salmon okay. there we go so there you go there you go uh, anyway, so that is what I'm into. You should Absolutely. listen to all these songs and let me know what your favorites are because I'm kind of obsessed this year. All right. So uh, that is my that. recommendation. The Eurovision right. Song Contest 2023. Excellent. Um, well, I am, well, we're in the North, so I'm going to recommend a cocktail. I, just a little background. I have been drinking martinis pretty steadily for a while as my cocktail. As you know, if you've been out to eat with me. Very cold. Then I got sick. Yeah. And I, you know, stopped drinking, obviously, for about a week. And then as soon as I stopped being sick, I realized I, I sort of want to drink something else. I want to taste something different now. So it basically, I, I I broke my martini habit and then I decided, so I, you know, my, my, my taste wanted something else. And so I went to a cocktail that is, it's a version of a famous cocktail that people I don't think appreciate. It is a Manhattan. But, but it is not a Manhattan Manhattan. It is what is known as a perfect Manhattan. I find Manhattans uh, delightful, but they're a little sweet. And as a pre-dinner drink, uh, I find that they can be a little cloying. So this is what a perfect Manhattan is. Perfect Manhattan, quite simply, is a Manhattan in which rather than a full dose of sweet vermouth is added, it is half a dose of sweet vermouth and half a dose of dry vermouth. And so basically what it is, the, you know, the, the recipe could not be simpler. It is two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of dry vermouth, a half ounce of sweet vermouth. Put it all in a cocktail shaker, shake it forever in a day, pour it into a glass. There are people who say, oh, you should use a Nick and Nora glass. Eh. To hell with that noise. You can use a Nick and Nora glass, but if you've got a martini glass, it's perfectly fine. And garnish with a Luxardo cherry, not a Maracino cherry. We are not making a Sunday. A Luxardo mm-hmm. cherry uh, is, is required. Um, here is my warning. Uh, some recipes will tell you to add uh, Angostura bitters. These recipes are a snare and a delusion. Do not add bitters uh, to it. Uh, the bitters uh, will, uh, basically, they will react with the driver vermouth and create a flavor profile that overwhelms the drink. Just do bourbon and the two kinds of vermouth. Feel free to toy with the ratio uh, a little bit. But what you get is a drink that is uh, sort of a pleasantly, how do I put this? Um, it's got it's got a depth to it. It's got a, a, a weight to it. You get the slight spiciness from the bourbon. Uh, you get the sweetness uh, of the, obviously, the sweet vermouth. Um, but the, the, the dry vermouth adds a savoriness to it. And it is, it is kind of a perfect appetizer. Uh, beverage. So if, if you're not in the mood for something uh, light and clean, uh, which of course is the martini, uh, and you want something a little more substantial, a little more complex, I really recommend the perfect Manhattan. Do not put Angostura bitters in it. Don't do that. Okay. Um, okay. And there you go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Next, I think we're going to go back to the South and do Abdul Rahman the second. Well, I'm sort of eager to see what, yeah, what's going on there. So yeah, good. I think, I think that. we're going to do that before right. we pick up, uh, before we pick up um, Barcelona and then right. Pamplona. Okay. So okay. 
So I think next next time you tune in, that anybody tunes anything, um, you you will be hearing about Abdel Rahman the second in the Kingdom of Al Andalus. So see you then. All right. Bye. Bye.